This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Shadow not only kept millions of listeners glued to the radios for over 25 years, but he also ushered in a new era of pulp heroes, with over 325 adventures recorded in his self-titled pulp magazine. The character was created by Walter B. Gibson. The Shadow was radio's most famous mystery man who dominated the airwaves during radio's golden age. The Shadow became one of the most recognized and well-known radio programs of all time. Radio's greatest crime fighter continues to embody the magic of radio mystery more than 70 years after his debut. We invite you to relive the exciting adventures of this super sleuth who has never seen, only heard. He possesses incredible physical abilities. The Shadow wears a fine opal ring known as a girasol in his hand, and he is also a master ventriloquist, and he can project or throw his voice. Listen to Lamont Cranston demonstrate once again that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. The Shadow and Margot Lane were the consummate crime-fighting couple of radio's golden age. Together that they foiled the wicked plans of the greedy and the vengeful. And tonight's episode is entitled Black Rock. presents The Shadow. These half-hour dramatizations are designed to forcibly demonstrate to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow mysterious character who aids those in distress and helps the forces of law and order is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the unseen voice belongs, the only one who knows the true identity of that master of other people's minds, the shadow. Today's story, Black Rock.
plane's all ready for a takeoff, Martin. And what a takeoff. <laughs> right straight to a watery grave. She only knew it. Listen, Ward, you better not let Burkett hear you shooting off your mouth like that. I ain't scared of that, Swindler. He ain't got nothing on me. Oh, no. Nothing at all, except that you're a pilot without a license who's been making his living flying smuggled dope. So what? Don't think I can't see what goes on. I know that Burkett swindled his stockholders out of a couple of million bucks. And now he's skipping in this plane. Well, what if he is? You're getting paid plenty, ain't you? Sure, sure. Oh, hello, Mr. Bacon. Is the plane ready to take off? Yeah. He's fueled to the limits. Fly 1,500 miles if necessary. The supplies are all loaded, too, boss. Well, you know our course. We're heading for Nova Scotia. Yeah. Mr. Burkett. Mr. Burkett. Father, what are you doing here? I followed you. Yes. Where are you going, Mr. Burkett? Well, what's that to you, Harvey? I happen to know that you're absconding with the company's funds. Now, see here, Harvey. Mr. Burkett, you can't do this. Think what will happen to me, to the stockholders, everyone. Harvey, I'm not running out on you. You don't know what you're saying. I do know what I'm saying. I know that in that suitcase you have $2 million of the company's funds. You made me president, and I'm responsible for those funds. I'll be ruined. Ruined, do you hear? Now, give me back that money. Let go of that bag, Harvey. Give it to me. I say you're stealing the company's money. What? Martin, take care of him, will you? Give me Listen, that. Listen, get out. I won't. I want that money. I want that money. Give it to him, Martin. <laughs> That'll stop that. Nice work, Martin. Throw him out of the plane. Right. Okay. Ah, all right. Now let's get out of here. So you cleaned out your company, eh, Brigitte? Robbed your poor, dear, trusting stockholders. You're not supposed to know about this, Ward. Oh, no. Not even the two million you got salted in that suitcase? You were hired to pilot this plane, and that's all. So get the plane off the ground. Okay. As long as I get my cut. Don't worry, Ward. You'll get yours. Thicker every minute. Right. What do you expect on the Grand Banks, mate? Hey, where do you reckon our position? About 200 miles due east of Cape Race, Captain. Break it off the port bow, Captain! Break it off the port bow! Breakage off the port bow? I cut the engine, mate. Aye, sir. What do you make it, lookout? He's all backwards, Captain. Looks like the wing of an airplane. An airplane? Do you suppose it could be that plane that flew to sea four days ago, sir? Might be. Yep, there she is. Ease her off a bit. We'll drift down on it. Hi, Captain. Look, there's the plane's number on the wing, sir. Can you make it out? Uh, X-1752. X-1752. That's the plane, Captain. I remember the number. I heard a radio broadcast about her last night. So that's what happened to the poor devils. Lost their course and dropped into the sea. Look lively there, lads. Lend a hand and we'll haul that wing aboard. Get a line ready, lads. Shall I get the dories over, Captain? Not in this fog. We'll cruise about. I have a notion we'll find no trace of the three poor devils that were aboard her. Poor devils? Rich devils, you mean, sir? Right. Burkett stole two million dollars from the poor stockholders of the company. Aye. 
All the money in the world will do them no good in David Jones' locker. Aye. The rest of the plane is on the bottom of the banks. And them rascals in it. Aye, mate. Lost. Stake my life on it. Lost forever. And two million dollars of poor people's money lost with them. Extra, extra, swindler's plane found in sea. Burkett and companions believed drowned. Paper, paper. Police seek Frank Harvey, missing company president for questioning. Extra, Do you mean that the poor man really had nothing to do with the money being stolen? Absolutely nothing, Margot. That's why we're driving down here. Frank Harvey is an honest man. He was set up as president of the company by Birkin. Harvey thought it was a legitimate investment house. Then why can't he tell that to the police? Because, unfortunately, that would never hold in a courtroom. As head of the firm, he's directly responsible to the people for their stolen money. Where did you say you'd meet him? Hiding down by Miller's Creek. Is that right down this road? Yes. I think it's this third cottage here. Let's get up and see. All right, Lamont. There's someone in the window. He's waving for us to come in. Yes, that's Harvey. Go in the side door. How long has he been hiding here? About a week, I believe. Mr. Cranston. Hello, Harvey. Uh, Come in, please. Thank you. This is Miss Lake, Mr. Harvey. How do you do? How do you do? I'm so glad you could come here, Mr. Cranston. I hope I can be of service. Well, that's a pretty forlorn hope, I guess. What with Burkett, presumably, at the bottom of the sea. Presumably, Mr. Harvey? Yes. You see, I can't make myself believe that he's dead. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. You are? Why, Lamont? Well, for one thing, Margot, their bodies were never found. Lamont, I don't like to be stubborn, but the Atlantic is a mighty big pond. Yes. But I also know that when Burkett planned his getaway... He wouldn't have figured on flying across the ocean in a plane with a cruising range of only 600 miles. They were flying to Canada and got off their course. Yes, that's true. No, Harvey. Ward, although crooked, was an excellent pilot. He was an expert navigator. He knew blind flying. Then, since you think they're alive, how did their plane crash 200 miles at sea? Fly itself? Fly itself? Margot, you give me an idea. It's the only thing I haven't been able to figure out. Uh, What are the things you have figured out, Mr. Cranston? I'm afraid I can't tell you right now, but if they work, the missing money will be returned to the stockholders, and your name will be cleared, Mr. Harvey. What do you expect to find at the airport at this time of night, Lamont? I'd like to take a look around the hangar where Burkett kept his plane, Margot. What can you learn there? I'm going to stake everything on a shot in the dark. There's no one in that hangar but the watchman. He doesn't know anything, or if he does, the police and the G-men didn't get it out of him. So how can you hope I'm going to ask him one question, Margot. How could a ghost airplane fly 200 miles and crash into the sea? Do you expect an answer from him? Not I, but the shadow does. Look through those windows. There's the watchman. He's asleep. I won't wake him, Margot. It'll be easier for the hypnotic powers of the shadow to force his subconscious mind to answer the question. I'll wait out here, Lamont. 
In a few minutes, we'll know if Burkett really went to his death in the wrecked plane. Heaven help us if we hit any pack ice. 
the life preservers. Just in case. tries to keep us from getting off this blasted rock this yeah. time. Yeah, it'll kill us if he catches us trying to get that plane in the cold. Hey, who do you suppose it is after us? What do we care? It's a plane, isn't it? A chance to get away from Bikers. Well, I ain't leaving without that money. Not after the way he starved us, kicked us around like dogs. All right, all right. We'll get the plane. Then we'll take care of Bikers. All right. Here's the cold. Look. I told you we'd find it, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now, what are we waiting for? Come on, let's pull out to that plane. Oh, we got to get the... <laughs> Shut up, Martin. Listen. I heard something like somebody laughing. Laughing at us. Ah, you crazy. It's the wind. <laughs> oh. You hear that? Somebody's close to us, watching us. Get down. Maybe break it. Hide. I heard it, too. Put out the lantern, quick. I'm not Burkett. You cannot hide from me in the darkness. Some guy from that plane. All right, come on into the light and be quick about it, fella. Cover him with your gun, Martin. I can't see him. I'm standing in the light, close to you. But you cannot see me. What do you want? I've come for you. It's the cops, Ward. It's the cops. They found us. No, it's not the police, Mr. Martin. (laughs) then, Then who are you? You've been in prison, both of you. Haven't you ever heard of the shadow? Shadow? Guy nobody's ever seen. Not not the shadow. Not on this forsaken rock. The end of the world is not far enough to hide you from me. What? That voice. I've heard Khans talk about it. It's him. He's here. There's been a slip. He's come for us. Yeah. All right. Getting this is another thing. Now, don't come near me, Shadow. I'll drill you, even if I can't see you. I'll take you when the time comes. But first, I mean to get Burkett and the two million dollars he stole and clear the name of Frank Harvey. Well, you can have Burkett, but you'll never get that two million, Shadow. Not one of you will escape. How did you find us? That watchman squealed, didn't he? I warned Burkett. Come on, Ward. we got to find Burkett. He'll know what to do. Yes, go to Burkett. Warn him the Shadow is here. Tell him you'll never leave Black Rock alive. Never live to spend the fruits of your crime. (laughs) 
Rafe, what is the matter with you, Martin? Where have you been? Been around at the cove, watching that plane. Do you know who was in it? Yes, yes, of course I know. Just a girl. And she won't give us any trouble, I've seen to that. A girl? And he didn't come alone. I don't know what you fools are talking about. Who didn't come along? The shadow. The shadow is on Black Rock. The shadow? Why, you're crazy. No. No, he's here. He said we'd never leave the island alive. Oh, how did the shadow know that we didn't carry for the plane? The watchman at the airport must have squealed. <laughs> so the shadow trailed us a thousand miles to this forsaken hideaway and played right into our hands. <laughs> What's so funny? What do you mean? Look over there. See who's gagged and tied to that cut. What? Look, he's got the girl. How did you do it? How did you get her out of the plane? I went out in the boat and I merely gave her the choice of coming ashore or having the plane's pontoons riddled with bullets. But the shadow was on the rock here, looking yeah. for us. Well, let him find us. We'll give him the choice of giving himself up or seeing his girlfriend put in one of the lower sea caves until the tide comes in. That'd be murder. That shouldn't bother you. You and Ward have been watching for a chance to murder me ever since we came to Black Rock. You know why, don't you? Because you've been starving us to death. For your own good, you fool. We've got seven months of winter ahead of us. If the food gives out before we can leave here next summer, we'll die by slow starvation. <laughs> that is just how you will die. Unless you tell me the hiding place of the two million dollars, Burkett. The Shadow. He's here. In the sea cave. He followed us. Well, I'm glad you're here, Shadow. Well, we can settle this. I'll make a bargain with you. The shadow doesn't bargain with criminals, Burkett. I've got the girl who came with you. There she is. Look at her. I'll give you two minutes to come out of the shadows and give yourself up. Give myself up to be murdered? Drowned in the lower sea caves? Oh, no, Burkett. You have no choice. We'll drown the girl. Burkett, listen to me. Would you have the murder of an innocent girl on your conscience in your last days and hours? When you are slowly starving to death on this barren island? You can't scare us, Shadow. We've plenty of food. <laughs> you had plenty of food, Burkett. But look at it now. Look at the chests of food you have so carefully hoarded. Look at them. Burkett, look. Yeah? The locks are smashed. The chests have been opened. What? Burkett, look. The flour. The dried meat. It's soaked. Soaked with our kerosene. This chest is the same. We can't eat it. But what about the canned stuff? The canned stuff? He couldn't spoil that. Get away from those cases, Martin. No, you don't. You're not going to keep what's left for yourself. I'm taking the rest of this food and I'm going to the mainland now. Put down that case, Martin. Put it down, I tell you. You ain't going to stop me to death, you crooked rat. All right, Martin. You won't stop the death. No, you won't stop. You shot him in cold blood. You'll do the same to me if I let you. Don't be a fool, Ward. Put down that gun. Uh -huh. Now listen, there's enough food for us, and I need you. If I couldn't stay here alone, I'd go crazy. There's only food enough for one man, Burkett. And I'm going to be that man. No, you don't, Ward. You, you wing me. Wing me, you devil. Go on, finish the job. Finish me. Better than starving to death. I had enough for that. Ward. Ward. I only meant to scare you. <laughs> Ward is not dead, Birkin. Your bullet's in his shoulder. Shock. Hunger. That's all. Now, what kind of a bargain will you make? 
I make no bargains with you, Shadow. Remember, I've still got the girl. No, Burkett. She's gone. Look on the cot. Her ropes are cut. She's gone. Gone? You, you cut her loose. Yes. While you fought each other. If I could only see you... You'll never live to see another human face if you don't give yourself up. No. No, I've sacrificed everything for that two million dollars and I'll never give it up. You've got to give it up, Burkett. Do you want to stay here starving, freezing to death for nothing? Now, tell me where have you hidden the money? No. No. Tell me, I say. Where's the money you stole from the thousands of poor and trusting people you betrayed? Oh, you'll never get it. They'll never get it. Burkett... Warn you, Martin, you, but you don't seem to realize I have the power to make you obey me. Don't move, Burkett. That's it. Stare into space. Keep staring into the shadows. No! Drop that gun, Burkett. Drop that gun. Your fingers can't hold it. Can't hold it. Drop that gun. Drop it. Where have you hidden the money? Under the chest. <laughs> You're a fool, Birkin. Like all criminals. You've told me what I want to know. Margo. Yes. Margo, take the ropes from the cot. Tie Birkin's hands behind him. He can't move. All right, Shadow. Hurry, Margo, hurry. Throw his hands behind his back. Tighten them. Tighten. Tighten. Now. Now, Margo, get out. Get back to the plane. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> no, no, Shadow. Shadow, don't. Don't leave me here to die. I'll give up the money. I'll go back and stand trial. Yes, Burkett, you'll give up the money that was never yours. You'll go back and stand trial, both you and Ward. I've wrecked your boats. You can't escape. And tomorrow, a Coast Guard cutter of the North Atlantic Ice Patrol will pick you up. They'll take you back to pay for your crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Lamont, do you think the Ice Patrol will believe your message? I have the plane's radio tuned in on their regular band. They'll notify their shore base they're proceeding to Black Rock. Ice Patrol cutter calling. There it is now. Hello? Hello? Ice Patrol Cutter, proceeding to Black Rock under forced draft. Proceeding to Black Rock under forced draft. They believe you, Lamont. They believe the shadow. Set your course homeward, Margot. Our job is finished. Oh, Lamont, think what it means. All those poor people will get their money back. They won't suffer. They won't lose their homes. And Mr. Harvey's name will be cleared. Yes, Margot. And this will be a warning to others that even the best laid plans of the smartest criminals can fail. There is no perfect crime. Today's shadow story has been a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear on the Shadow Magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly and an episode that was first aired in 1943. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn. With music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. simple sentence that's worth repeating over and over again. To take better care of your things, try waxing them. With replacements, more and more difficult is just downright common sense. To make things last, keep them clean, protect them against wear. Dust and dirt, you know, wear things out more than anything else. That's why I say take better care of your things by waxing them. Give your floors, furniture, and woodwork a protective shield of genuine Johnson's wax. Protect all wood, leather, and enamel surfaces with this same wax polish. Every application of Johnson's Wax gives not only protection, but brings out the natural beauty of the finish. Floors that are regularly waxed grow lovelier every year, and they never need expensive refinishing. There are 100 extra labor-saving uses in your home for genuine Johnson's Wax, which you can buy from your dealer in one of three forms, paste, liquid, or cream. Poker is pretty much of a man's game. Trying to get out of the house for an evening to play poker is also a man's game. And here, taking a hand in it, we find Fibber McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. These doggone executive meetings, I don't know why they have to ring me in on all of them. Well, why don't you just refuse to go, dearie? Oh, I couldn't do that. I can't let them down there. They're depending on me. Oh. Look, why don't you go to a movie or something? I don't know how late I'll be out. You know how these things are. Oh, I don't think there's anything I want to see, McGee. What's that to be you? A couple of guys I never heard of. Saw their names out in front of the theater today. I thought I knew everybody in Vaudeville, too. What are their names? Matt Daly and Pop Prices. Oh. <laughs> why don't you go see them? No, I don't believe I will, McGee, but I'll tell you what I will do. Huh? What? I'll come with you. <laughs> You can go into your old meeting, and I'll sit outside in the lobby with a magazine and wait for you. No, I... No, no, that won't do. <laughs> this meeting might last till way after midnight. Matter of fact, I think it will. What's the meeting about? Well, what's it about? Why, uh... Well, it's, uh... Well, the war effort. Oh. We'll probably discuss stuff like labor problems. A lot of the members of the Elks are businessmen and factory owners, and... They all want to see if they can get some good hands. You know, to, to work. 
<laughs> and in the factories and stuff. Yeah. Everybody's going to lay his cards on the table. <laughs> We're going to try and see that everybody gets a square deal. Well, now, isn't that grand? I'm proud of you, dearie, for wanting to do your bit. Oh, shucks. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy wouldn't do. <laughs> I only hope we can do some good. Well, I wouldn't gamble on it. <laughs> what you mean, gamble? Well, I mean, these meetings are liable to be so much talk and so little action. Oh, we'll get some action, all right. <laughs> I'll lay a bet on that. Good for you. I'll just stay home here. Hey, maybe this is somebody that'll stay and spend the evening with you. Come in. Oh, uh, hi, sis. Hello, little girl. I haven't got time to stand and talk to you now, sis. I gotta go out to a meeting. Oh, my daddy's going out, too. He says he's gonna do some research. Research? Mm-hmm. He says he's finally gonna find out if it's scientifically possible to fill an inside straight. <laughs> <laughs> What's an inside straight, mister? Well, of course I... Why, uh, that's a poker hand, little girl. And if it'll save your father any trouble, you can tell him he can only fill one once in 13,789 draws. Well, I, uh, I, I didn't know you knew so much about poker, Molly. Why, I love to play poker, dearie. Oh. And I think it's pretty selfish of the men to want to play by themselves all the time. Yes, I, I, I my, imagine... My daddy says women clutter up the game. Oh. Yeah. He says they always want to play fancy poker games like grocery store and baseball and duck on a rock. <laughs> duck on a rock? That's a new one on me, sis. What kind of poker game is that? Everything wild but the ace of spades. <laughs> <laughs> For a kid your age, sis, you really get around. Well, gee, my daddy plays cards all the time, I bet you. Oh. <laughs> He's always making excuses to get out of the house so he can play poker. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he does, huh? <laughs> Imagine that. You know, I think that's ridiculous. Now, if a man wants to go out once in a while to play cards with his men friends, why doesn't he just say so? You mean that, Molly? Why, of course I do. That doesn't apply to you, though, dearie. Because <laughs> you always lose your shirt. Oh, I don't know. My daddy does, too, I bet you. Hmm? My mama says we're going to have the doors in our house made bigger on account of my daddy's always coming home with a barrel. <laughs> Are you going to see my daddy tonight, mister? Who, me? Why? No, no. Mr. McGee is going to an executive's meeting at the Elks Club, little girl. Yes, I'm yeah, one of the... Yeah, but my daddy said... Never mind what your daddy said. I got too much to do to waste my time. Hey, where are you going, Molly? Well, I've got a cake in the oven, McGee. Now, you leave whenever you like. I'll be all right, dearie. Okay, I'll let you know before I go. Now, look here, sis. You better run along because I'm pretty busy. I got an important meeting tonight. Okay, mister. But I thought my daddy said you were going to be one of the... Please, sis. Yeah. Never mind what your daddy says. I guess I know what I'm going to do tonight. Now, you run along. You talk too much. Okay. But if, if you want to stop at our house on your way to the meeting and bring your stuff, my daddy will give you a lift, I'll bet you. Give me a lift with what stuff? I don't know, mister. Some dirty clothes, I guess. <laughs> Doggone it, why should I stop by your house with some old clothes? Mister, all I know is what my daddy said. Well, what did he say? He said he was looking forward to taking you to the cleaners. <laughs> Go on. 
there's something to eat. Oh, oh for goodness sakes, McGee, oh. stop fidgeting. Well, gee whiz, doggone it. I, I hate to go out to a meeting and leave you here all alone. I, I, I feel like a dessert. Well, don't be like that. Maybe your meeting will break up early. Uh, I don't think so. We've we got a lot of important things to consider tonight. For instance, you know that cat that they keep around the Elks Club to catch mice? Yes. Well, she's been getting pretty thin lately. Ain't been fed properly. Oh. Yeah. And it takes a big special meeting, a grown man to sit around arguing about who's going to feed the kitty. <laughs> yes, it does. I'll get it. Hello? Oh, hello, Abigail, darling. Yes. No, he's going out to a uh, committee meeting at the Elks Club tonight. No, I'm just going to stay home. What? Oh, yes. Yes, come on over and we'll talk. Yes, goodbye, Abigail. What's that old bass fiddle unstrung about? <laughs> well, she just wanted to know what I was doing this evening. She might come over a little later. Oh, that's swell. You girls can have a fine old time chinning. If you're one chin and up he's three, you can have a four-way conversation. <laughs> For goodness sakes, will you stop fretting about what I'm doing, uh, going to do this evening? Well, I know, Molly, but I... You got me all fussed here. Yeah. <laughs> I've been by myself before. Yeah, I dearie. know. But... I won't play with matches. I won't put beans in my ears. <laughs> I won't mark up the wallpaper. Now stop worrying. Well, it, gee whiz, it's just that I feel kind of guilty running out on you like this. Heavenly days, if you have to go to a meeting, you have to go, that's all. Besides, if I... Come in. Hello there, kids. Hey, you know anything about weddings? Well, we, we had one once, if that makes us experts, old-timer. <laughs> what was it you wanted to know, Mr. Old-timer? Me and Bessie are stepping off one of these days, daughter, and we want to do it right. Who's supposed to pay for what? <laughs> well, the groom buys the bride's bouquet and the presents for the best man and the ushers. Ushers? Or do you think we're getting married at a movie? I see where well, this is going to be an informal wedding. And you're picking a bum time for it, too, old-timer. What you mean, Johnny? Who's going to spend three ration coupons just so they can throw rice at a couple of chumps? Who's tying any of their old shoes on the back of an automobile with no gasoline in it? <laughs> Don't let him discourage you, Mr. Oldtimer. You and Bessie go ahead and get married. Where's it going to be? At the bride's home? That good etiquette? <laughs> Why, sure it is. On account of so often, the groom is living at the YMCA. <laughs> then you'll want about four ushers, four bridesmaids, two flower girls, a maid of honor, a best man, and a ring bearer. They're going to be kind of hard to handle, daughter. Why? Bessie and her old man live in a trailer. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe we better just sneak out to a justice peace someplace. Oh, I wish we could be there as witnesses. You've got to have witnesses? <laughs> Why, certainly. Why not? Oh, what if you want to get out of it later? Won't witnesses be kind of embarrassing? <laughs> now, don't talk like that. Aren't you and Bessie in love with each other? Oh, daughter, every time I see Bessie, my heart goes bumpity-bumpity-bump. I get short of breath. My hands tremble. My mouth gets dry. Hey, is that love or am I smoking too much? Well, they're both expensive habits. Hey, what does this Bessie look like, old-timer? Have you got a snapshot of her we could see? Sure have, kids. Got a Lulu right here. Uh, Bessie's sunbathing behind the trailer. Here, take a look. Oh. That's Bessie on the left. Trailers on the right. <laughs> Say, this picture's so faint I can't make it out, Mr. Oldtimer. Yeah, it ain't very good at that, daughter. Must have been overexposed when I developed it. 
Oh, you do your own developing. Where's your dark room? My what? Your dark room. Don't you have a dark room to develop your pictures in? No, no. Too much trouble, daughter. I get the same effect by blindfolding myself. <laughs> well, much obliged, kids. I'll let you know when the happy day comes. Here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 my gosh, I almost forgot. Hey, Molly, where's the checkbook? It's in my purse, dearie. What do you want the checkbook for? Oh, well, something might come up at the meeting tonight where I might need a few bucks, you know, a donation to some charity or something. <laughs> Besides, the stakes are usually pretty high. Stakes? <laughs> what stakes? Oh, I mean, if, if the meeting lasts too long, sometimes we send out for hamburger steaks. Oh. <laughs> and if we don't have enough chips, potato chips, well, gee whiz, I want to pay my share. All the other fellas... Are... Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. What can we do for you? Uh, I just want to remind you, Fibber, about that poker... Oh, yes, about that poker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the blacksmith says he'll have it ready about the first of the week. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, Molly, the last time I was over at Wilcox's house, I tried to fix the fire in the fireplace and sent the poker all out of shape. <laughs> Guess I don't know my own strength. <laughs> Teach me a good lesson. Yes, sir, it surely will. Then what are you getting so red in the face about, McGee? What's a little poker between friends? That's what I say. He'll pay for it, won't you, Pepper? Well, I usually do. Uh, why, certainly, certainly. Certainly I'll pay for it. Say, are you going to the executive's meeting at the Elk Club tonight, Miss Wilcox? What executive? You know, Junior, the annual, the, the, the meeting that was scheduled for the, well, the big meeting. Oh. Uh, no, I don't think I can attend a committee meeting tonight. Oh. I've got to meet an old auntie tonight. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Say, if you're coming near here, Mr. Wilcox, bring her in. I'll give you some coffee and cake. What's your auntie's name? Uh, Philpott. <laughs> She's one of the... Doggone it, Junior. What are you standing around here for gabbing about your relatives? Don't try to cover up with a lot of idle conversation. Cover up what, McGee? Well, gee whiz, we know what he's here for. Why don't you get at it? He ain't fooling anybody. Okay, pal. You asked for it. Let's have it. Give your kitchen linoleum a new deal with Johnson's self-polish and glow coat next time you have a full house for a card party. Enjoy that royal flush of pride you'll get from a clean, sparkling kitchen floor. See how easily spots and footprints wipe right off a glow-coated linoleum. How much more sanitary your kitchen is with the floor surface wax sealed against dust and dirt. If you spill something off a tray... It can't raise the deuce with your linoleum because glow coat is aces yeah. in protection. Get a container of Johnson self-polishing glow coat today. It's your dealer's choice. So long, folks. I'll see you. McGee, you're shaking like a leaf. What's the matter? Oh, I get so mad at that guy. Don't you know what he was trying to do? Trying to get my goat with all them card terms just because I bent his cheap old poker. Oh, oh don't be so sensitive. You're as thin-skinned as a toy balloon. Now, you run along to your meeting. I've got some mending to do. And now, I'll... I wish you'd get somebody to come over and stay a while or go to a movie or something. Gee whiz, McGee, I... don't be so silly. Why are you so anxious to have me do something tonight? Well, it ain't fair for me to have all the... I mean, for me to go out and maybe stay so late and all. I, I just thought that maybe... Heavenly days. Who on earth is that now? Hey, Pete. Uh-oh. It's that Spanish girl that moved in down the street. 
The one that her brother is a pilot from South America. Oh, she's sweet. Yeah. Come in. Ay, buenas tardes, mis queridos amigos. Do you memorize me? <laughs> Hi, sis. Sure, we memorize. Or you bet we remember you. Well, it's nice to see you again. How's your brother? My brother? Oh, he's sitting down on top of the world. Gracias. <laughs> they have made him a captain now, and he is very proud to be so rank. <laughs> you mean proud of his rank, sis? <laughs> oh, see. I still make one or two little mistakes with my English. <laughs> but my honker says I am learning very fastly. Your what? My honker. I have a special honker for English. Honker? Oh, you mean tutor, sis? Oh. <laughs> tutor. He also toots my brother, Carlos. <laughs> now, look, dearie, I don't think we even know each other's names. I'm Mrs. McGee, and this is my husband, Mr. McGee. Ay, tengo tantísimo gusto en conocerles a ustedes dos que son tan simpáticos. My name is Moreno. Rosita Moreno. Oh, I'm glad to know you, sis. <coughs> you married? No, señor. Many times I have been proposed that, but never am I marrying somebody until I have my head over my healing love. <laughs> it is a serious thing for a girl to go from singlehood to marriedhood. <laughs> it certainly is, dearie. In marriage, it's a case of look before you leap and then walk around if you have time. <laughs> but uh, what was it we could do for you? You mean, why are you visiting me in your house? <laughs> well, I am just murdering some time until Carlos is coming home. So I think I will butt myself in on those very nice people down the street. <laughs> oh, I hope you're not bothering me. <laughs> Sis, you drop in any time and practice your new English. I might pick up a little Spanish at the same time. I'm, I'm pretty good at languages. <laughs> Overseas in the last war, I learned a parlez-vous French like a native. Yeah, <laughs> like a native Hawaiian. <laughs> Say, you must bring your brother over sometime, too, Miss Marino. Oh, please call me Rosita. With friends, if it is foolish to stand on formaldehyde. <laughs> Formality, Rosita. Oh, see, formality. Gracias. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you say you're welcome in Spanish? De nada. De nada. That's it. See how quick I pick it up, Molly? Oh, <laughs> you're wonderful, McGee. You ought to be appointed our next ambassador to Peru, Indiana. <laughs> now, don't forget, Rosita, you and your brother come over any time. Oh, muchas gracias, señora. I will tell Carlos, and he will be very delightful. Huh. You know I have been making good friends with close neighbors. He will kick himself out of it good. He'll what? Maybe I mean he will hand himself a good kick. No, I don't think you mean that. Um, he will give himself a pat on the back with his foot. <laughs> no, that isn't exactly the Oh, right. I know. He will get out of it big with a kick. Oh, do you, do you mean he'll get a big kick out of it? Oh, sí, sí. Ay, pero qué tonta soy. Qué cabeza tengo. Bueno, ya me voy. Muchísimas gracias por todo y hasta mañana, amigos. Come again? Thank you. I will. The King's Man and Murder, he says. Boy and girl used to be Your feet, they say murder. <laughs> Is that the language of love? 
language of love. He says, chick, chick, you torture me, zoot. Are we living? Shoot me the snoot for a kiss. She says, dig, dig, the jumps the old ticker is given. What kind of a ransom is this? Hep, hep. She says, murder. When he holds her tight, she says, murder. When he says, good night. Now, if they keep it up in that impossible tone, it'll bring on nobody's murder but their Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mrs. When you fall off a trapeze or something, don't it, Wimp? Oh, no, it's soft coal. Oh. <laughs> That's nice, but that isn't a very healthy place to exercise. I should say not, Wimp. You gotta have fresh air. Work out in your bedroom or someplace. Open the window and take great, big, deep breaths. Like this. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. You couldn't take deep breaths? I couldn't open the window. <laughs> but I will very soon now. I'm getting stronger every day. Last week, I only weighed 78 pounds, and guess what I weigh now? I could never guess. 77. <laughs> I'm just burning off the fat. And see how much straighter I'm standing? Sweetie Face is teaching me to keep my shoulders back. How's she teaching you? Oh, she throws me down on my face, puts her knee in my back, and pulls up on my shoulders. Oh, <laughs> heavenly day. Hey, you can get a busted clavicle that way, Wimp. Oh, no. I always faint before the bone actually breaks. Doesn't your wife take it easy when you faint? Oh, yes, indeed. This morning when I came to, there she was, standing over me, wringing her hands. Oh, and what did you say? 
I couldn't say anything. She had my neck between them. For goodness sakes, Mr. Wimble, I don't know how you're standing. Didn't you ever think of leaving? Oh, yes, I had, Mrs. McGee. One summer, I spent every afternoon sitting on a curbstone out in front, hoping some gypsies would steal me. <laughs> they never did. Well, I've got to be going now. Where to, Wimp? I've got to meet Sweetie Face down at the feed store. Oh, is she buying feed? No, she's just getting weighed. Well, goodbye now. <laughs> Say, more people come in to remind you of that committee meeting, McGee. Must be very important. Oh, it is, and I better be getting down there, too. I got a superstition about being there for the first hand. First hand? I mean, uh, I, I want first hand information about. For goodness sakes, come in. Oh, hello, Abigail. Uh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Uppy. Glad to see you. Wiggle out of the minks and fling the body on a stool. <laughs> Slip your shoes off, too, if you like. Only three pair a year, you know. You're pretty heavy on them. Uh, thank you. You girls will excuse me if I duck along, won't you? I got an important committee meeting at the Elks, Uppy. Go right along, Miss McGee. I have managed to struggle through 23 hours and 55 minutes of the day without your magnetic personality. I think I shall survive the other five minutes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> hey, are you sure it's okay with you, Molly, if I don't get home very early? These meetings are after me. No, be... no, no. Now run along and don't come home till you get good and ready. I'll be perfectly all right. Okay, well, so long, Uppy. Good evening, Mr. McGee. And, oh, I almost forgot. You didn't give me the checkbook, Molly. I haven't time to look for it now, dearie. Oh, well, okay. Well, so long, Molly. See you later. McGee, you didn't kiss me goodbye. Huh? Oh, well, goodbye. I'll see you later. <laughs> Well, come, my dear. We shall have to hurry. We're ten minutes late now. Where is the bingo game tonight, Abigail? At, <laughs> at Gladys Mills. Uh, you'd better bring about five dollars. I lost three seventy-five the last time. Well, I've got the checkbook in my purse. Where's my hat? Uh, oh, here it is. I'm ready, Abigail. My, I've been looking forward to this ever since she called me up. But how about Mr. McGee? Will his committee meeting take long? Committee meeting Mike Clavicle. He's headed for a poker game, Abigail. <laughs> I've been trying to get him out of here for an hour. Come on, let's go, dear. Oh, very, very good. I, I hope you didn't have too dull an evening with Uppy yourself. Well, <laughs> to tell the truth, we went out to a bingo game. Huh? I lost $2.60. You did? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to tell the truth, I was playing poker. <laughs> I won 12 bucks. Well, while we're telling the truth, I knew you were playing poker. What? What was the idea? Kidding me along? Well, I knew you'd have more fun if you thought you were getting away with something. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have gone with you. Huh? Abigail just sits there with no expression whatsoever. Poker face? I was tempted to once or twice. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. The characters of the old-timer and Wallace Wimple heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Nick Carter, Master Detective, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. 
The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.